When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. He is Stephen Means. No Doug Maurice today. He's still on vacation. I hope you all liked our yesterday's pod, the Wednesday pod, the big Wednesday pod. I thought that was actually one of the like more fun pods that we've done in a while. We actually talked about the Big Ten stuff and the, the whatever the developments of the day were, but there was just a lot of, I know some people call it nonsense, but we tied it into football too. I thought it was, I thought it was one of the more fun episodes. We got to like kind of maybe let some steam off. And, yeah. And ha- let our hair down a little bit. Yeah, it's it's been a depressing month of just the season's getting canceled to, oh, they might still play in November, they might still play in January. Not a lot of good news. So even if it was just nonsense, just to have something other than the depressing talk of Ohio State's not going to get a chance to play for national championship in 2020, was it was fun. So, yeah, go listen to that, please, <laughs> if you want to have some joy in your life. This is the Thursday podcast. It's supposed to be the – it's supposed to be game day. This is supposed yeah. to be the season opener today, September 3rd, uh, when uh, the COVID revised schedule came out. Ohio State was supposed to be opening the season at Illinois today. They originally were supposed to be opening on Saturday against Bowling Green, but obviously all the non-conference games were, were canceled, and they, they reconfigured their schedule, and then they uh, eliminated the schedule. Yeah. Um, and there were no real big developments on Wednesday, as we're recording this Wednesday night, uh, about the – Big Ten situation still just you know talks going on and uh, we'll keep monitoring we'll find out soon enough exactly what's happening with what's going to happen next in with that schedule we are jumping we're going back to the future a little bit uh, people might remember back in April Stephen and I drafted rosters for a fictional spring game basically at that time and then obviously the spring game got canceled um, along with everything else getting canceled so we didn't really do much with it but on that day Stephen declared five months ago Stephen made a solemn vow that he was going to track down the rosters via the information superhighway that all the kids are using these days and put them into this video game this is a uh Looks like an Xbox we're using here. Am I correct? Yes, this is an Xbox 360 that only gets used for NCAA 14 at this point. I don't play any other games on it. So, yeah, I tracked down the rosters. It took me five months to do it. But um, finally, somebody put out the 2020 rosters. And what's been interesting to watch is how they've kind of updated it through the weeks. Jamar Chase is no longer on the game. Michael Parsons is no longer on the game. Since guys, as guys drop out, they get deleted off the roster. So it's, it's really up to date. So go check it out. 
Well, fortunately, nobody has opted out yet for Ohio State, and really the rosters have not changed at all since the day back in the first week of April, the two days, I guess, that we drafted these rosters. Back then, we were drafting based on just putting together two teams. Um, you're basically just drafting a starter at each position, and we gave each other two wild cards. We had to manipulate these rosters a little bit based on what's available here that someone's put together for this video game. Um, but the one thing we didn't have access to at the time was the rankings. And if we had been ba drafting based on the rankings, we might have made some different decisions, but we were drafting based just on our assessment of the talent at the time. So for people who don't remember, we're going to run down our rosters. I'm going to go first. This was my offense. And I don't have the original drafting order. You can go back and listen to those podcasts. If you're really invested in this, you could pause this. Go back and listen to those like April 5th and 6th podcasts. I think they were only about a half hour piece. We kept ourselves short back then somehow. It was We were just starting off with this five days a week thing. And yeah. I think we thought we were going to keep it tight. And then well, that's just been a fiasco since then. That was a pipe dream. That's back when we were thinking it would only be an off-season thing and that there would be a season. And not right. that, oh, now we're permanently going to do five of these. Okay. Yeah. So here was my offense, and uh, my the first player that I took on offense, I think you had the first pick on offense. You took Garrett Wilson. And then Garrett we, Wilson did, the great. And then we snaked it, and then I took um, Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers back-to-back -back as my first pick. So um, here's my full roster on offense. Jack Miller is my quarterback. We Nobody got to have Justin Fields, which would have been just a ridiculous mismatch. Um, so we were basically picking from the three potential backups. So I, I took Jack Miller and I think I, I took him kind of just as the leftover guy. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, my running back was Trey Sermon. Uh, my receivers were Chris Olave, Justin Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigwin. Julian. Julian. Julian Fleming. Yeah, I'm sorry. Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And uh, Luke Farrell was my tight end. My offensive line was Thayer Munford. At the time I selected um, Ryan, you selected Ryan Jacoby, Ryan Jacoby, Ryan Jacoby Josh, Josh Myers, Myers, Wyatt Davis, and Paris Johnson. Now, two of the players I picked, oh, and then also my wild cards were uh, Jake Houseman, the other tight end, and Demario McCall is kind of like my all-purpose offensive uh, skill position guy. And a couple of adjustments we've had to make. Jake Houseman is not on this game, so I substituted Jalen Harris in and just took a fourth receiver because I don't really need the second tight end. I don't think it'll ever really come into play. And if uh, if I do need a second tight end, I guess he'll be a really, really fast one because it'll be one of these receivers. <laughs> and uh, my other all-purpose guy was uh, – oh, I'm sorry. The other guy that's missing was uh, – Ryan Jacoby. Ryan Jacoby. Was... And so we just subbed in Luke Whipler for me. So Luke Whipler is going to be a starting guard here, which compromises a little bit the advantage I had on the offensive line. But we're going to talk about the ranking advantage I have overall in a little bit. But that was my offense. Steven, read off your offense. So my offense, I took C.J. Stroud as a quarterback. I, we, took, we took quarterbacks in later rounds, and it was basically whoever took a quarterback, the other one's going to get the other guy at that point. Master Teague as my running back, Jamison Williams, G. Scott Jr., and Garrett Wilson, the great, as my wide receivers. Jeremy Ruckert as my tight end. And then my offensive line is – DeWan Jones and Nicholas petit Frere are my two tackles. Gavin Cup and Matthew Jones as my guards. And then Harry Miller as the future center. He's my starting center in this situation. And then go ahead and run your defense. Now, I had the first pick on defense, and I took Sean Wade um, almost before Doug could get the words out of his mouth that I had the first pick. And then I think you came back and took uh, Tyreek Smith and 
Brayon Browning as your first two picks. Yeah, I, I, which was smart because I think we needed to split up Tyree Smith and Zach Harrison. That was the big deal here. But Tyree Smith and Jonathan Cooper as my two edge rushers. Teron Ter- Vincent and Antoine Jackson as my defensive two inside interior guys. And then Pete Warner as my Sam. Dallas Gant as my Mike. Baron Browning as the Will. And then my cornerbacks are Cam Brown and Tyree Johnson on the outside with Legend Cavazos in the slot. And then Josh Proctor as my one high safety. And then um, who were your, your wild cards there? My wild cards were, was uh, K- Kayvon Pope. That was my wild card card for the defensive end. Yeah, um, my defense, uh, like I said, I took Sean Wade number one overall. My, my full defense was uh, Zach Harrison and Tyler Friday as my starting ends. Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett as my starting tackles. Uh, my linebackers, the starting three would have been Mitchell, Taraja Mitchell at the will, Tuff Borland at Mike, Justin Hilliard at Sam. Obviously, Sean Wade and Seven Banks as my outside corners with Marcus Williamson in the slot. Marcus Hooker, my starting safety. And then uh, my, my wild card guys, Court Williams, just for his positional versatility, and Javante Jean-Baptiste to have another edge rush opportunity. Um, a couple of wrinkles here. Obviously, Ohio State primarily runs a, a single high safety look. This game from 2014 has – some limited capabilities as far as what we can put out there on defense. So basically our slot corners will be free safeties or strong safeties, I guess yeah. would be a better way to say it. And um, Which I think is what a, slot, a strong safety has always been. It's just the idea of just calling him a cornerback. Yeah. Because I remember in 2018 them asking Sean Wade, hey, what are you? Are you a slot corner? Are you a strong safety? I think it just kind of depends on what the offensive look is. If it's a slot – they call it a slot corner now because there's three wide receivers on the field. But the idea of having three cornerbacks and three linebackers is new, which is why when you go nickel in a video game, it's still just two linebackers and you're replacing it with another corner. But, yeah, your slot's basically your strong safety in this game, um, and which is that's, – that's it, just so we can keep them on the and – and if they go nickel, obviously there'll be another safety out there and they'll actually be a nickel back. This is, that's the wrinkle that could be interesting, though, is if because we're going to let the computer just run this game. Yeah. And if they play a nickel look, there's going to be two safeties and then that third corner. So that, or, or yeah, third corner. So you're going to have five DB. So that's where it gets a little bit interesting. We're going to have to watch that. But we're not going to get too wrapped up in that. This is really more about hopefully the full accumulation of talent rather than any kind of one fluke thing that could happen at a position. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, anything in your mind as you look back over these rosters that had changed in a, like a, a major way um, that you would have reconsidered or that you really feel looks good in retrospect? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm very happy with what I have to bring to the table here. Um, I do think Garrett Wilson was is properly rated for a guy who had a standout freshman season, but you don't want to put him at a 90 yet. Um, I was surprised that Wyatt Davis was rated higher than Justin Fields in this game. I know Justin's not playing, but for the sake of what the ratings were, I think Ohio State had 10 guys who were 90 or and above. That's just – we can't look at it right now because we're in the game mode, but I think there were 10 guys in this game who were 90 and above, and Wyatt Davis was actually the highest rated guy at a 98, and Justin Fields was a 97, which is the second highest quarterback, obviously, behind uh, Trevor Lawrence, but I think some of these ratings are pretty interesting, especially the CJ Stroud, uh, Jack Miller one. I didn't realize that would be that far away. So my strategy for the offensive side at, at again, this is the first week of April was that I was going to pick, I was going to leave quarterback basically and take whoever you didn't take. And I was going to try to win the picks at all the other positions. And under the, under the assumption that there wasn't a huge discrepancy between the two quarterbacks, 
that if you got if you just took Jack Miller and, and you wanted CJ Stroud, then I was fine with that because it meant that I was taking someone that I preferred at another position where there might have been a bigger disparity. And in the game, CJ Stroud has an overall rating of 80, Jack Miller has an overall rating of 72. That could be a factor here. And I think if I if we had been drafting these rosters today, I might have been more aggressive in trying to draft Stroud based off of just some things that we saw um, or heard in, in, through the, the offseason. I think he probably does have the edge right now and is, is the, the, the front runner. I think there might be more of a, a gap than I thought there was in April. So I, I think I probably would have drafted that a little bit differently. Um, Doug pointed out, because he was kind of the commissioner of this and was um, watching over our shoulders, um, pointed out that he was, he was going through what he thought some of the better picks were. I took Marcus Williamson. So you took C.J. Stroud in round 17 of the offensive side. Mm-hmm. So we, you're right. We, we, we waited a long time to take our cornerback quarterbacks. I took Marcus Williamson in round 17 as my slot corner. And it looks like that's going to be maybe the starting slot corner for whenever Ohio state gets to play football again. And uh, a, a solid rating, right? An 81. That's not bad. Um, so I, I'm kind of happy with how that turned out. I think that was a, a, a pressured pick at the time. And it's, it looks especially smart right now. I think it gives me, um, an edge potentially at just the overall defensive back depth. Especially since the guy who he's going to be competing with to be the slot corner in real life is Cam Brown. And he's actually my number one corner in this game for the sake of you didn't get all three starting corners. I probably could have played that better and got seven banks, but like I said, I'm happy with my team. Um, I want to kind of go through these now that we actually have some of these rankings and we can see how some of these guys kind of fare out starting with the Jack Miller, CJ Stroud situation. They're, they're eight points apart in these overalls. Um, which, who, puts, who comes up with these rings? This is just that somebody put together, right? Somebody put it it's together. Just a, it's just a dude out there. It's just a dude out there. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty on point I for the most pretty, part. I think they're pretty solid. I think yeah. this is – yeah, especially when you think of the fact that there's almost 290 spots in between where Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud ended in the 247 composite rankings, and they're 11 spots apart in pro, as far as pro-style quarterbacks are concerned. But you're not thinking about that when it's just two guys coming into a program. But when that's all you have to go off of is maybe the rankings when you're talking about somebody creating some of these freshmen, it's pretty on point. And so I'll take the dub at quarterback. I have the advantage there. We're going to see who has more advantage than most of these. Players. Well, you mentioned before that there were how many players, 10 players that had a 90 or above I think rating. So. And that includes special teams. So, like, there's yeah. some players like Damari McCall is a 99 on kick return or whatever. Right. But if you're just but talking about that. just just offensive adhesive starters, how many of those 90 or above rankings are on your roster? Um, none. But I Zero. Think, but I also think the bulk of that is on the <laughs> offensive line, and this is a video game. So, I think you can't give offensive line we'll that see. much credit in a video game. My 90 or above guys, Chris Olave, Thayer Munford, um, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, Sean Wade. I guess that's it. I think that's just – those are the yeah. only – one, two, three, four, five. But you're also taking away the fact that I think offense wins in video games and offensive lines don't matter that much. But we'll find out. I guess now, we will I, find out. So, I, you, you also have the advantage at running back with Trey Sermon, who is rated higher than uh, – Master Teague, but not by much. Literally no, one point. it's very point. close. They gave Master Teague um, a very strong rating, I thought. Uh, 88 for mm-hmm. Trey Sermon, 87 for Master Teague. And I think that if you were to ask most people, even taking the injury out of things, I think based on the totality of their careers to this point, I would have thought that 
there would be a bigger gap. Then maybe I think that the the sermon one makes sense to me. Eighty eight. Yeah. I thought Teague might be. More I thought like he an might 85, be an 80, yeah, 84. Maybe I thought maybe eighty two because you put it in the context of what we talked about a lot during the season. He was doing a lot of that damage. I know he was set at what second team All Big Ten, but he did a lot third. of that third team All Big Ten. But he did a lot of that damage against second units and tired first units because J.K. Dobbins had already worn him down. So um, respect. I, I somebody thinks highly of Master Teague. Yeah. Um. So we'll deal with that. Obviously, you have the best wide receiver, but I think I have the bulk of the better wide receivers with Jamison Williams, G. Scott, and Garrett, and Garrett Wilson as 81, 80, and 87. Uh, I think you have Chris Olave is a 90. And then we have Julius. This is 93, Jones, by 93, the way. which is. So I have 93, 82, 81. I'm still higher. My other two guys no, are higher. No, 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 no. You have to throw in Jalen Harris, who's only an 80. Yeah, but he won't really play that much. That's, well, if they go four wide receivers, he might. Okay, you might I'm just saying those top three. My top three are 93, 82, 81. Yours are 87, 81, 80. So, so far. So I don't know what kind of math they taught at Kent State, <laughs> but that is not a higher ranking than mine. I have Garrett Wilson, okay? <laughs> it doesn't matter what else is going on. I have the. I actually do have the advantage at tight end because Luke Farrell is your, your starter, but I also have caged over along with Jeremy Ruckert, so it gives me some other options to do stuff. Okay, but again, the t- the starting tight end doesn't matter. I have the edge in breaking. Hold on, but it also depends on how we're going to use these tight ends. If we can, let's get some context here. If we're going to go to catching, there's a ten point difference in between what get, Jeremy Ruckert brings to the t- table and what Luke Farrell brings mm-hmm. to the table. Mm-hmm. Wow, the difference is probably in the blocking. If we're going to be honest here, as we make our way, yeah, that's where the difference is. Run blocking is where Luke Farrell has that age, uh, edge, which is. Yeah, that's in real life, too. It's interesting to me that um, if these rankings, if these ratings for blocking and stuff don't matter, then why do they do them? I mean, you can do it. I'm saying that in the totality of a video game, your offensive line isn't that. Important. Okay. Let's, we're not, let's not get too bogged down in this. Let's, yeah, let's, we don't let's have slide to through this. here. You know, let, all right. You know, we can look at the offensive line, but we know who won that. It's just not that big of a deal. I think the real, real interesting thing here is maybe the defensive line. I have Tyreek Smith and Jonathan Cooper, who are 83 and 84, respectively. And you have Zach Harrison and uh, – who do you have here? I have Harrison and, and – Tyler Friday. Tyler Friday. And Zach Harrison, clearly the best of the group, which I think that's high. Especially if Tyreek Smith is only going to be an 83. I don't think there's that big of a di- – I don't think Zach Harrison showed anything to that level last year that he needed to be an 87 already. I'm, I'm very happy that uh, you let me have Zach Harrison in that draft. But you are, uh, I, I, that, that's really high. Like, I would have expected that from Chase Young coming into his sophomore season, going into this. And even – no, actually, I wouldn't have expected that with Chase Young either because he hadn't really shown that much either. So that's a bit – that's a bit much. Um, but I guess I'll give it to you. And then I think it's pretty close here in the interior guys with Jerron Vincent, Haskell, Garrett, and Togiai. Obviously, where it drops off is my second guy. Antoine Jackson being an 82, while your second guy is an 84. But for the most part, that's pretty close. And then the linebackers, I think, is where I blow you away for the most part. I mean, you've got Justin Hilliard, you've got Tough Borland, and you've got Taraja Mitchell. While I've got Baron Browning, Pete Warner, and my, and my Mike, I'm pretty sure, is Dallas Gant. So outside of that, Baron Browning's an 87, Pete Warner's an 86. And I think your best linebacker was, what, Tough Borland, who was an 87? Yeah, so – so you're my best is an 87, yours best is an 87. Right, but then your second best is right. an 83, and my second best is an 86. 
but by the way, the, the, it's, it's Justin Hilliard getting an 83 compared to Pete Werner. So, again, I think that should tell you something about what the, the linebacker rankings might mean in this game. I mean, this is all made by some kid probably in his basement, so it really doesn't matter. We, that's about it. I think the only dis- – the cornerback dispensers uh, is – there's definitely some well, – there's a gap there because you've got Sean Wade, so that really what matters most. Obviously, Sam – And Seven Banks and Marcus Williamson. I don't know if there's that big of a difference between them. Yeah, but Sean Wade's the difference here. Because what's – what is Cam Brown? 82? Okay. You have Sean Wade. This is – play this game already okay because right. here's how we're going to do this here's how we're going to do this by the way i just want to remind people that um it's not just me that thinks i have a better roster when we did this we put it out to the texters six six one four three five oh three three one five we put it out to the texters who do you think had the better roster and we got 117 responses and by a margin of 105 to 12 which even like rutgers thinks that that's ridiculous 105 to 12, they picked me as having the better roster. So we're about to find out. Now, again, that didn't have anything to do with the rankings that were later assigned to all these players by um, Bill Gates or whoever out there is putting these things together. But just based on what we know about the players at the time, that's who got the edge. So we're about to find out at long last who was right. Uh, we're go- well, here's how we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to simulate. We're going to let the game play out quarter by quarter after the end of each quarter we're going to come back and give you guys an update on how things are going and just kind of talk a little bit about um anything that we found interesting in there what what was who who stood out um anybody that surprised us and if it's something that we thought might actually be playing out in a real Ohio State spring game stay with us at Buckeye Talk all right we're back the first quarter is over. Right now, Team Baird leaves, leads Team Means by the score of 14-3. to three. And we just got the ball back after forcing a three and out. So let's catch everybody up on the action. I got the ball first. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but Jack Miller is a zone read superstar. First play of the game, pulls it down, runs for 11 yards. Leads a 75-yard touchdown capped off by his own six-yard touchdown run. Team Baird goes up 7-0. Uh, Team Means gets the ball back, and they, they did well, too. I thought you guys marched the ball really strong. The, the thing – there's one little glitch in this game, which is because there's no single high safety, whenever it plays nickel, it's a 3-3-5, and, yeah. and then it goes into no huddle offenses. So our defenses keep getting caught in these three-man fronts that I think we'd both prefer not to be using, but – it's happening to both of us, so that's kind of beside the point. You had a, a strong drive. Got the end of the drive, though, and my number one deep pick on defense, Sean Wade, comes up big. On second down, uh, he takes uh, Master Teague down for a two-yard loss. And then on, and on third, third down, down, Stroud tries to scramble on uh, third and six, and Wade gets him at the line of scrimmage, forces a 34-yard field goal. So seven to three, Team Barrett. But at that point, you're, pretty, you're still pretty confident, right? Yeah, I, I'm happy with everything but one touchdown that happened so far. <laughs> I just want to say that the last thing Stephen Means said before we went to starting the simulation was, it's in a video game. Your offensive line doesn't matter. More on that in a second. So um, I get the ball back. A great catch by Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's having a nice first quarter, 22-yard gain. Um, Miller, another read option for 11 yards, gets him across midfield. And basically, it's been just plowing away yards on the ground for the most part. Uh, at the end of this, after two drives, 11 carries for 96 yards for this offense. Um, I don't know. I think the offensive line might be 
making a difference. Trey Sermon goes in for a six-yard touchdown run, and it's 14-3 to Team Baird. And then um, a couple of runs that uh, don't gain a lot of yards for team means. And then Zach Harrison forces some pressure. Well, actually, I would say um, C.J. Stroud had a lot of time in the pocket but couldn't find anybody. I think it's just, this again, the superior coverage of Team Baird where you've got the three potential starting cornerbacks for this team as the three cornerbacks. Uh, Zach Harrison gets, in some, gets some pressure in at the end. Stroud throws it away, so three and out, and I've got the ball back up 14-3 to three to start the second quarter. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 hundred and what was it, 105-12? to 12? I th- the, the majority looks, looks good right now. I think two things are not going in my favor. One, Jack Miller turning into Tim Tebow all of a sudden. And then two, I think Ryan Day for Team Baird is calling a better game than Ryan Day for Team Means. Throw the ball! I mean, stop running the ball and throw it. We've thrown the ball three times. Obviously, I mean, you've thrown the ball four times, but we've thrown the ball three times, and I have a great wide receiver core. And C.J. Stroud's 80 overall. Throw the ball right day and stop allowing – obviously, we don't have the offensive line to just be running, down, running the ball the entire time the way you do. So throw it. This, this has been a very run-heavy first quarter. 20 of the 27 plays were running – plays and I think that definitely benefits my team with the offensive line that I have I will say some of those were um, quarterback scrambles the ball was pulled down yeah and the quarterback took off and again Jack Miller despite his uh, deficiency in the ratings showing up pretty well so in the first quarter 14 to 3 team Baird we'll be back at halftime stay with us on Buckeye Talk all right we are back it is halftime of our fictional spring game Stephen can you bring us up to date on the score of this game um, it's 28 to three. Um, and it's not 28 to three for any other reasons why you would actually think Nathan would be up 28 to three. Nathan is up 28 to three because Jack Miller has 11 rushes for 66 yards and three touchdowns. No, hold on a second. Okay. So when we left off at the end of the first quarter, you were imploring this game to throw the ball. Yes. What did Jack Miller immediately do? Oh, they started throwing nickel and dimes in the middle of the field. He's Surgical 12 strike. Surgical 12 strike. 12, 177 yards. While once again, Mike Ryan Day for for Stephen. We ran the ball with a draw play on third and six, in you know our own territory, and we were already down. What was it, twenty-one to three at that point? It's throw the ball, put it in the air, and give it to Garrett Wilson. Garrett, I mean C.J. Stroud, six for eight, sixty-six yards. He almost threw an interception, which. CJ, what are you doing? But Garrett Wilson is doing what Garrett Wilson should be doing. Four catches for 36 yards out of the slot. I mean, come on, Ryan Day. Help me out. I think the biggest question that I have after this first half is whether Jack Miller is going to win the Heisman in 2021. Yeah. And, and then win – is he going to win three or four? Like, will he stick around to try to just do the four-year sweep? I mean, it's just uh, – <laughs> I honestly think – let's talk about what this could mean. It means nothing in real life. It, it means nothing it in real life. There's a lot of – this is a very typical spring game in some ways because we're seeing guys pop up that we're like, wait a second, is he supposed to be on my yeah. roster? Um, and that's – but that's that's what happens in a spring game. Guys just kind of move around, and it, that's part of the fun. Cameron Martinez is leading your team in tackles, and he shouldn't even be on your team. But I will say that – I do think this speaks a little bit to the strength of the offensive line that Ohio State is going to have, assuming he gets to play some kind of a 2020 season. I mean, and I drafted 
the bulk. I mean, I drafted the nucleus of it, right? I've got Davis, I've got Myers, I've got Munford, and then I've even got Paris Johnson on the right side. Who gave up who did a sack. Get beat, who did get beat for a sack there at the end of the first half, like last play of the first half. Uh, Tyreek Smith beat him for a sack. For a sack. But, but up until then, I mean, my offensive line had kind of been controlling the trenches pretty well. I'll, I'll say this. When it comes to Trey Sermon, 10, 10 rushes for 63 yards, yes. The offensive line has done its job. He's had a quality day. Jack Miller's – I think even that first touchdown run he had, I think that was a draw play or it was just a scramble or whatever it was. A lot of Jack Miller's runs are on read options where he's just reading it well, which I don't think anybody thinks that that's what his – his strength is going to be as a quarterback at the college level, which isn't a bad thing, but he's reading the zone read as if he's JT Barrett. Yeah, but, but, but the gaps are there. Or we're just selling out on Trey Sermon the way that everybody in the world would sell out on Trey Sermon over Jack Miller, and for some reason Jack Miller is turning to Tim Tebow slash JT Barrett. Some of the guys who've had a good first half, I think um, Tough Borland, like I was criticized for what I did with my linebacker group. I didn't go for any of the, the flashiest guys, really. Tough Borland had a, a big TFL to help force a punt and has had a nice first half. Uh, Tyreek Johnson, one of the other guys who I think is not really even supposed to be on my He's roster. He's supposed to be on my team. He's actually one of my starting corners. You were the one who set these rosters up, so that's no. something you can address with uh, yourself. But um, he, has, he has one tackle for me, and he has a p- pass breakup for you. Well, C.J. Stroud basically hit him in the hands, and he yeah. wasn't able to, to get the interception, but – it actually, and actually, it looked kind of like a bad play because he was wide open it and did. just hit him in the hands. But um, it's a guy who, I, if they had been able to do a spring game, if they'd been able to have a real offseason, if they were having a true preseason leading up to what would be today's season opener, it's a guy that needed plays like that. He mm-hmm. needed to be in the mix and making plays. And I think Ohio State needed him to be in a position to do what he did, which was be there to to break up a play on third down at a, at a crucial time. No, Josh Proctor leading the game is in tackles with seven total solo tackles. But, uh, Tough Borland has – But that's but that's a bad thing for your team because I'm running the ball a lot. Uh, I don't know about that because Jordan Fuller was one of the leading tacklers the last two seasons, and this was one of the best defenses in the country last year. So I, I, I don't, it just depends on where he's lying and what, what's going on. on, on I any suppose. Specific, I suppose. I think it, it should be, yes, your free safety should not be leading your team. He's making a lot of tackles down. But he is also all over the place. He's got one up at the line of scrimmage as well. Obviously, you know, Tyree Smith with the only sack of the game right before the first half ended, which was his first tackle of the game. Tyree Smith needs to pick it up. It's just that simple. So only one deep ball connection in this game so far, and it was Miller to Fleming. Yeah. But but Fleming does have a couple of catches. The, all of the really um, the true freshmen have been involved. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigma, nice first half, fifty two yards on four grabs. Everybody's getting in the mix a little bit, I think. So it's been a slot game though, for sure. The slot guys are clearly leading, it, which is how we would expect it to be in real life. The slot guys usually lead the way. Um, but yeah. Julian Fleming with the one big catch where it just looked like they were in zone and it was a miscommunication. You know, there was a point in this first half where you spoke, and again, we're talking about these people like they're real. Um, it's just I mean, pixels on a game. They're real, but, but they're not They are real people, but you know what I'm saying. Um, but where he, where Stroud was just throwing to seem like he was targeting Wilson on every play, and you were like, well, that's the one he trusts. That's the guy he's going for. And I think there's something to be said. That is a dynamic that can kind of play out at times this year. And – you could do that with someone like KJ Hill in the past. He was just so reliable. Mm-hmm. And I think if Garrett Wilson can have the explosiveness he has, but then also the reliability, that makes him a really intriguing guy in some of these situations. When when you are getting pressure, when you're in a tough spot, when you really need your backs against the wall a little bit, he's a guy that you can reliably go to. 
especially in a situation where we're in now, where we're not really sure where they're going to play the season. There's been reports of when things are going to start and they're all over the place, but we're not really sure. And so as things stand right now, Garrett Wilson's going to be the only guy with a bulk of experience when you walk into 2021. And he's also going to have Stroud might be the quarterback. Jack Miller might be the quarterback. Kyle McCord might be the quarterback. And so that this actually will could play out where they are just going to rely on Garrett Wilson wherever they put him just because he's the only guy with legitimate you know, experience in a normal season, in a normal 12-month calendar year of college football. So once again, Team Baird 28, Team Means 20 – I'm sorry – Team means three. As we go to the third quarter, stick with us on Buckeye Talk. We are going to uh, wrap up the second half of this fictional spring game when we come back. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk and how the worm has turned. Turn of events here in the fictional spring game. I guess keep, keep calling it spring game. I know that's what we drafted it for, but it's September. So the, the inter-squad, I guess we should call it. Um, it was 28-3 to at halftime, Team Baird. It's now 28-17, to Team Baird. A, a big surge for Stephen Means' team. What were you most impressed with there in the third quarter? I am most impressed with Baron Browning. I mean, he read the screen pass perfectly. See ball, get ball. That's going to be his role whenever this season starts as the real linebacker. Gets to get back to his roots as that five-star outside linebacker. See ball, get ball, and he went and got it. We had our second force fumble of the game. Cam Brown had the first one. I think that was in the second quarter. Uh, we, got, we, didn't get, we didn't recover that one. Chris Olave was able to keep the ball for Team Bear. This time, Legend Cavazos, who was starting to step up as well, he recovered the ball, and we got it, I think, at around the 30-yard line. And then we were able to punch it in and score. It didn't look like we were going to get a touchdown at first because, once again, Coaching was starting to cost us. Ryan Day has still not completely gotten it together from an offensive playing calling standpoint. But Legend Cavazos is also stepping out, stepping up as well. He's reading the read option as well. And it's almost as if he's spying Jack Miller at this point. You know, they made some adjustments and realized Jack Miller's keeping it. He was hurting us in the first half. In the second half, freshman on freshman making plays there. So my defense stepped up and, you know, C.J. Stroud got it together and started throwing touchdown passes. Again, this is really only an interesting exercise in, in the way it helps us talk about what could have been happening for this football team right now or back in the spring or however you want to look at it. And I think seeing Legend Cavazos have a nice third quarter here and help himself, help his team, that's the kind of thing that Ohio State would have been looking for from this true freshman group. They needed somebody else. I mean, we've talked so much about, obviously, who Sean Wade is. We know that Seven Banks is coming along. We think that Cam Brown is entrenched there as another help. Um, probably another outside corner. Marcus Williamson, we were hearing, was coming up. But the way that Kerry Combs likes to rotate those guys, I mean, somebody eventually from that freshman group was going to have to step up and establish himself, whether it's Cavazos, whether it's Ryan Watts, somebody from that group. And Doug had said, I was listening to it as I drove over here, we're actually recording this in your beautiful apartment here yeah. in Dublin. This is the first time we've been in the same room together since... Uh, since we watched practice and then talked to the linebackers. That's right. Since the, <laughs> since the first day of spring practice, whatever it was like. March no, it was, it was, it was practice too, because it was just us two there. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. and we got to talk to Titans. That's that literally the last time we saw each other when we found out Kate Stover was a Titan. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, but it's been uh, five, six months yeah. since we've been in the same room together, and this may be the last time we're in the same room together till next August, for all we know, with yeah. the way things are going. <laughs> but. Um, 
I just think that that was going to be a dynamic, that they were going to need somebody from that freshman group. As I said, I was listening to it as I drove over, and Doug had said on the podcast when we were originally doing this, if there's an injury in this cornerback group, things get interesting really fast. If you were to lose one of those three guys that we were pretty confident about, and then Marcus Williamson is like a 3B, mm-hmm. like if somebody in from that group goes down, then you're really probably forcing – obviously you still got Tyreek Johnson, but you're also forcing someone from that freshman, true freshman group up in, in the depth chart. And somebody was going to have to – Establish himself. So, so it, today, today it's Legend of Oslo. So on, on a given day, it might have been somebody else, but we didn't. One of those things we didn't get to see. We didn't get to watch them all spring. We didn't get to watch them in the preseason. And he's an interesting case as well. I mean, he's a freak athlete. He wasn't a top 100 guy. He was two, 352 overall and 26 at his position. But he also, you know, was reclassed as a cornerback late within the composite race rankings. He had spent most of the time as a safety, but. He's a freak athlete, and I think that's part of his ranking. I don't know if that completely tells the story of what he can be and what you can mold him into be, but because he has experience as both a free safety and a strong safety and also was working his way into being a cornerback when he got here, he might have a future in that slot corner position, and that's where I put him on this roster. And obviously this is a fake game, and so you can overlook it, but the fact of a guy who has experience playing multiple positions in the secondary and you can kind of mold him into whatever as a guy who's got a lot of different skills athletically. Um, it's just interesting. It'll be, you're right though. It, it, things get really interesting. If one of those guys goes down, especially at the slot position where, I mean, Kerry Combs said it, you want to start guys outside, but do you also want to, you know, maybe have some guys specialize on the inside just in case an injury does happen, especially at the early points in their career where you can always continue to develop them elsewhere. You know, something that's really struck me as I've gone through here, like I said, 28-17, we'll be going in the fourth quarter to wrap this up in a minute. Man, have I missed football. Like, I don't think it had really hit me yet how much I missed football. Um, I didn't watch the Austin P game last week. I think I just had other things going on. And it's – like, the, things happen in this court. It's just, it's just pixels on a video game. But, like, there was a moment – uh, so my team was still up 28-10. to 10. Um, Tommy Togiai breaks through with a big TFL, sets up a third and goal. Mm-hmm. So we're, like, talking the strategy there. So, like, okay, yeah. well, if you don't get the touchdown here, don't you have to kick the field goal? And then that only makes it 28-13, to 13, but it seems like a big missed opportunity. And then the very next play, your offensive line, which on paper, inferior to mine, but it gives, it gives C.J. Stroud all day to make a play, and he hits Jamison Williams in the end zone for an 11-yard touchdown. Just a, a, a huge moment, makes it a, a two-score game at that point, and then, then the big defensive stand that the team makes it the, the first, um, forcing a pump for the first time. time. So it's, it's just, just I, I find myself getting kind of caught up. I know this probably doesn't make for a great podcast. You guys are just hearing us talk about a video game that we're playing, and we're obviously yeah. trying to talk about the players in a different way than just what their video game version is doing here. I hope you guys are getting, getting something, something out of, of uh, what, what we, we think of these players, players in a larger, larger context. context. But – it's, it's been, been fun, fun to just, just watch the football. In, in, in a different world, it would have been interesting for people to see how we're reacting because I'm saying this the whole time of we need to score quick and then we need to get a turnover and score again because this needs to be a one-score game midway through the fourth quarter if I want to have a chance to win this game. And it's 28-17. We're setting ourselves up for that to be the case. But, yeah, I miss football. And I, I, it's been a lot of depressing stuff going on right now with, with, as far as the Big Ten season. But I got into this because at the end of the day, we want to watch football games and then talk about it. And I'm going to get it chance to do that on Friday when I go see Gabe Powers play 10 minutes down my house when they play Hilliard Bradley. But 
Yeah. I, at, the end of, at the end of the day, we got into this to cover football. So we miss it just as much as fans do. And it's part of the reason why I'm sitting here on pins and needles because I really wanted to win this game. So, All right. Well, it's 28 to 17. You're trying to prove 115, 105 yeah. people wrong, 106 if you include me. No respect. Uh, 28 to 17 but and Team Baird leads, but Means Machine has the ball and all the momentum as we go to the fourth quarter. We'll be back on Buckeye Talk. And we have a final, and 105 people were proven correct, but, man, it was close. 28-3 to at halftime, final score, Team Bear 28, Means Machine 23. Heck of a second half. I was really worried there. It came down to, you know, just the, the, the final seconds. Um, uh, some big plays late. Uh, Justin Hilliard with the biggest play of his Ohio State career, yeah. although not really. It's just a spring game. It's not even a real spring game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Justin Hilliard with a uh, delayed blitz on fourth down as you were trying to go in and score to make it a one-score game. Uh, turned it over on downs. Uh, my team drove, got to, I guess, around midfield and kind of sputtered out, but had, had burned a lot of clock at that point. Uh, punted away. You got the ball back with 52 seconds left at your own 20. Great touchdown drive from there. Um, CJ Stroud, Stroud, I thought, looked really strong in the second half of this simulation. Um, big TD pass to Jamison Williams with 20 seconds left, made it 28 to 23. But my team stepped up and forced an incompletion on the two point conversion, and you weren't able to recover the onside kick. So okay. As, as every every good spring game should come down to an onside kick. Okay. So let, let's discuss a couple of these. First of all, the big play for us was that 67 yard throw from uh, CJ Stroud to Jamison Williams, yep, yep. which put us in position to score. First play a, after it was after you got the ball yeah, back. Yeah, that was the very first play. Seconds left, which yep. is uh, to the point. That's I think the only shot we took the entire game. Which, I mean, we had done some good things. We'd run some re- good read options on the first play before that. We'd had some great screen passes. It's, I'm saying to myself, we got to take a shot now, right, just to keep the defense honest. And we never took that shot. And so that's part of the reason why we were able to get held up on that drive before. But also, C.J. Stroud just didn't have good pocket presence. And then that two-point conversion. I saw Mookie Cooper run across that field wide open. C.J. Stroud just didn't see him and then tried to throw it late and probably threw the wildest pass I've ever seen for a guy who was wide open, which would have made it 28-25, to but we didn't get the two-point game. We didn't get the onside kick anyway, but really proud of what we did in the second half, outscoring you guys 20 to nothing after a three-point first half. But like I said, it comes down to this. Jack Miller turned into J.T. Barrett with the way he read the zone read in this game, but also – Coaching. I mean, our offensive play calling for the bulk of the game was just not good. What did you see today that you thought was something that you would have expected would have really played out in real life? Like, what was something that, if this had been the real spring game, if this had been like a preseason scrimmage, which they don't really do, but something that, I, I, for instance, I thought the, the game that Trey Sermon had was about what you would have expected from him. Um, let's compare Trey Sermon. Um, I'm looking at Master Teague stats right now, averaging 3.3 yards a carry. Uh, my defensive front did a pretty good job keeping him locked up. Trey Sermon averaged 6.4 yards a carry, so 90 yards and a touchdown on 14 carries. And I think that is a very similar line to what Trey Sermon would be turning in, both in terms of number of attempts, although he's not going to have 14 compared to 17 for Jack Miller very often, but maybe compared to Justin Fields. Yeah. And so I think that kind of workload is about what I would expect from Trey Sermon. This is, I think, what they would need from him. or who, if, Whoever ends up being – would have been their starting – that's what they would have needed. Because yeah, I think this is 
in a, in a game like Penn State going on the road in a normal season where the white out is happening and everything like that, or against Oregon, this is what it would have been. You know, I think Justin Fields does run it 17 times, or 15, anywhere 15 and above, while Trey Sermon runs it maybe, you know, 10 to 15 times because a lot of those were read options where Justin Fields just decides to keep it instead of giving it away, while in 2019 it was more Justin Fields is going to give it more than he keeps it, even if the read says that he should keep it. Now, yeah, I, I think given the fact that, yeah, you did have the better offensive line than I had, but also Trey Sermon just ran the ball better than Master Teague did today. He fought for some of those extra yards that, you know, Trey's, that Master Teague didn't run for. Um, but I, I think the thing that stood out to me is something that could be down the line in the future, not just in a spring game, but just in general, if we're going to project these careers a little bit. The biggest play, I think, it wasn't the 67-yard run, though. It was C.J. Stroud taking off on a scramble and what probably should have been a seven-yard carry and t- turning it into 28 yards and going into, your, going into Nathan's team's ter- territory and basically keeping a drive alive. I think that's where Justin Fields is really good at, and that's what makes him elite is his ability to do that. I think C.J. Stroud possesses a lot of those same, you know, I guess, features in his game. If, if you saw them during spring practice, C.J. Stroud physically looked like the little brother of Justin Fields. And if we covered Georgia, I feel like that's what Justin Fields would have looked like as a true freshman, just physically at that point as an early enrollee, just a skinny guy who still needed to fill out, but you saw all the talent there. And I think that's a play that – as a quarterback at Ohio State, you have to be able to make that play. Obviously, Jack Miller had plays like that in this game as well. But in that situation where you absolutely needed to keep the drive alive on third down, C.J. Stroud did that. And I think that's something that going forward with Ohio State quarterbacks, they have to be able to throw the ball very well. But also, a play like that, you have to be able to make. Three broken tackles for C.J. Stroud in yeah. this game. Uh, things that I thought went according to plan for my team, my first pick on the defense was Sean Wade. And I thought he was consistently the most – dynamic player on defense he just kept stepping up and making big plays tough Borland also piling up 14 tackles which was impressive in a game like a couple tackles for loss so again just his his sort of steadiness I think is what you expect in, in a in a if, if they were to play two rosters like this against each other but Sean Wade I mean three tackles for loss he had a sack in there it was just stepping up constantly and I think that's, that's what Ohio State hopes to get from him transitioning from the slot corner role, not that that, that wasn't, wasn't an important role too, but moving him to the outside and letting him do some things. Because we saw games like that, frankly, from um, Jeff Okuda last year, where I thought he would step up and make big plays at the line of scrimmage. He's sort of taking half of the field away at times uh, in pass defense. And that's what they want from Sean Wade is to step up and kind of take that on his shoulders and, and be that guy. Yeah, you saw some of those things from his days of being a slot corner, strong, whatever you want to call it you know, kind of pop up outside of when he did get bullied by C.J. Stroud. But for my team, I think Hank for a touchdown. I'll say Josh Proctor. He was exactly what I think he needs to be – he would need to be in real life. He took something he, – he led the team in tackling, which you can argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing that the, the your last line of defense is leading your team in tackling. Jordan Fuller did it the last two seasons, so you can argue that. But he also had a play where he had a pass deflection where he broke up a pass. I think it was Jack Miller's only incompletion of the game, but that's – what they're going to—that's what Josh Proctor brings to the table that Jordan Fuller didn't. His ability to get from sideline to sideline very quickly. Um, you saw it in the Miami Ohio game where he had the interception. Uh, as a, he's a playmaker in a way that Jordan Fuller just was. Jordan Fuller was a consistent guy and a guy you didn't have to worry about back there. But with the defense that they were going to—they're going to have in 2020, they're going to need a playmaker, and Josh Proctor was that. I thought uh, another thing is guys who we have seen play 
here and there over the years, but haven't had a significant role. And this was going to be their year to step up and be frontline first string guys. Tommy Togiai for my defense was making some big plays. He had a couple tackles for loss, but was also just kind of getting that internal pressure that you want to see um, creating some of that internal pressure in the middle. That's not usually necessarily the role that you're going to get from a nose, but just his size and what he has in terms of power. And now the, the veteran savvy that he's going to be bringing to that position. I think that is something that he could potentially create for Ohio state here and there. Um, and in some of the backup linebackers that that junior class of guys who've been stuck behind these seniors to in a spring game like this, where you now you're, you're shearing that room in half and spreading them over two teams. Some of those guys played, played a good game. Taraja Mitchell had some big plays. I think Dallas Gant was in on a couple plays for you. There were some guys um, like that who don't really get to play that much and a spring game or these scrimmages or these, the, the drills that they do in the preseason, that's when they get a chance to maybe step up and make these plays. Yeah. And you know what? I want to give a shout out to Dewan Jones because he had to handle Zach Harrison. Who's the best pass rusher on his team by ratings wise with 87. He only had one tackle and it was an assistant tackle. So he didn't have any solo tackles. Dewan Jones did a job holding that down as the, a guy that we can both of He didn't have any pancakes. He haven't come to have a pancake and Nicholas Petit Frere gave up a sack. I think, and then on your side, Paris Johnson Jr. gave up the sack. So the guys who are going to be competing in real life for the right tackle position are the guys who gave up the sack. Okay, that's what it is. But I think Dwan Jones, in a virtual world, holding his own as the guy that we all think is the developmental guy who may not even be a, have a real role on this team to his third or fourth year in the program. I mean, he basically shut down the best pass rusher Ohio State has to offer. So I wish that we were not talking about a video game today. I wish we were talking about Ohio State opening its season at Illinois or Ohio State opening its season on Saturday against Bowling Green. This is not what we all want to be talking about today. I hope everyone who listened to this found it to be at least fun. Um, we did try to steer this back to what it might have told us if we had seen a spring game scenario, which doesn't really play out the same way. But we would have gotten to see some guys in these similar roles and getting to see – whether they step up and show us something or whether they don't. Um, the, the Jack Miller, CJ Stroud thing will be interesting. I think CJ Stroud from what we, the Intel that we were getting from what was happening behind the scenes in the, the few spring practices they had, I'm sorry, the few preseason practices they had was that Stroud was in line to be the number two guy, at least early. Now, again, that's a tricky thing to say because if we see it and, and hear things on a different day, then maybe it's Jack Miller that's in that spot. They're, they're going to switch those things around. It wouldn't shock me at all if C.J. Stroud is the guy who ends up getting that. I just still think that Jack Miller is is being a little bit dismissed just because he wasn't the the, the hot recruit at the end, and we'll see how that plays out. Um, yeah. But now the big question is not having a spring and then now potentially not having this season. What does that mean for the development of these guys? Because that's what this whole season was supposed to be about. You had Justin Fields in place. Now, which of these guys develops behind him into becoming the successor? Yeah, reps are the most important thing, especially at quarterback. Now, I mean, they can sit on all the Zoom calls they want with Corey Dennis and Ryan Day and break down all the film they want. But unless they're able to put it together, not just in a practice, but in a game where there's a chance that they might get hit and they don't have a black jersey on, it levels the playing field a little bit for when Kyle McCord does arrive. Now, we can have the argument of how much it levels the playing field, but the fact of the matter is, one of those guys, as of right now, still has the opportunity to play a season in the fall and play in a game where he might get hit and the others don't. And that could change in the next couple of days. But we'll see. But, yeah, reps are the most important thing, and right now they don't have that. 
that's going to wrap up this episode of Buckeye Talk. Like I said, I hope you guys all enjoyed today's episode. It was just supposed to be something fun, something that had been hanging out there since April. Uh, I'm glad that I was vindicated in how good I thought my team was, but it wasn't as good as I thought. Boy, it sure looked like at halftime. At halftime, I'm up 28-3, to and I'm thinking, man, I'm starting to feel a little bad. Like, maybe this is going to be as bad as everyone thought it was going to be. And your team rallied. Let's give them credit. Your, your pixels rallied there in the second half. I'm going to be making some coaching changes before I come back to this because clearly our play calling was, wow, Ryan. We, we some, see who you favored in this game. There was some questionable stuff in the first half, but, you know, it's a spring game, so they're just trying some things out. The, the score doesn't matter as much, so uh, at least you can tell yourself that. But uh, Friday's podcast, I hope you all saw the texts on – Wednesday. Yesterday. <laughs> trying to keep my day straight. Well, we're talking about Fridays. We're recording this on Wednesday, but this podcast is running Thursday. Anyway, I hope you all saw the text. Um, we're starting a new weekly feature. There's going to be many things that we do. Um, we won't be doing this, but many things that we do each week as the season is going on without Ohio State to both cover college football at large, but also bring things to focus back on the Buckeyes each week. And one of the ways we're going to do that is a sort of rewatchable segment. So I sent out the first three candidates. There was the 2015 game against Virginia Tech, the 2014 game against Navy, and the 2009 game against Navy. Because we wanted to focus on season openers, and those were three of the only recent ones that had been relatively close. So it looks like there's a runaway winner for which one we're going to be talking about. You have to check back to see, see which, which one that is. is. We, we may not announce that until we actually uh, put it out there on Friday, but that will be the Friday podcast. It'll be me, Stephen, and Doug. We're going to be watching watch that game, game tomorrow, tomorrow, recording it on Friday. Friday. It'll probably be a little bit later on Friday, Friday but you'll have it for the weekend. And we're going to not just look back, I think, at Ohio State, but also kind of like we did tonight, it's like what does what that, that game – What? how can it relate to this team – what parallels can you draw? What does it tell us about team dynamics, things like that? So I'm looking forward to that because I'm not as familiar with Ohio State history as Doug is, obviously, and maybe even as much as Steven is because being someone who grew up here. So I'm going to get to watch some of these big games from the past decade or so or how far back we go back um, for the first time and, and learn more about this team, and I'm looking forward to that. And I know that you all have lived through these games, and they've been a big part of your life and your fandom. And we welcome – when you find out which games we're doing, we welcome your comments and your memories and why those games are important and things that it told you about Ohio State football. And, we, obviously, you know, we like to incorporate those in the podcast. So if you're not a tech subscriber yet, 614-350-3315. Two-week free trial, three ninety nine. after that. You'll be the ones voting each week on which game we watch, which game we talk about, and uh, we look forward to it. So I'm Nathan Baird. He's Stephen Means. Thanks for joining us for this kind of fun exercise. And that was Buckeye Talk.